I was raised on that Southern Gospel music. I was singing along with you in harmony. I cannot clap in rhythm, but I can pick the harmony out. Judy has a desire to start a Zumba ministry. And I'm going to say the D word in church it involves dancing. Yeah, I know, I know. I just think, yeah, I know, David, he ain't half naked, too. Women only, yeah, you boys can't come to the girls' class. But anyway, you know, she said, Wayne, why don't you, why don't you work with me at home as I learn this movement? And by the way, seriously, the idea is, is to have it like a Tuesday night or Wednesday night sometime and have the ladies come together and then there'll be a Bible study, invite lost people to come in and exercise with Christian music and Christian principles and then have a Bible study. It's a great, great idea. But she said to me, why don't you do this? And I said to her, I can't even clap. How do you expect me to move like that? I, it's just not going to happen. That's what thank you. She who knows me better than anybody, you know, knows I cannot do this. But anyway, so uh, I can pick that, that, that harmony out, though, pretty stinking good. Not bad. Just don't ask me to clap in church, and we'll be all right. If he ever leads me in a clap, then let me be a clap worship leader. We're in deep wings, buddy. We really are. Hey, take your Bibles tonight and turn to Psalm 90. I really want to continue. It just, oh, it's wonderful. It just fits so well in the theme this morning. Um, someone was kind enough to say in the nominee. By the way, in case you don't know, when I walk in late, I'm not just getting here. We're ha- we meet nominee committee meetings usually on Wednesday night. But since we went to back Lord on Wednesday night, we had our meeting here. And that's where I am. I'm not just showing up for church late. I don't want you to think negatively of, of that. But someone was kind enough to say that was a really good message this morning. And I, I really, it's one of those times I left, I know it was a difficult message. And the reason it was def- difficult, not because it was true, but because it's so countercultural. Um, the things that you heard this morning really go against the river, the flow of the river in culture today. But nothing could be more important. I really believe that, guys. We, if we're going to see the family strengthen, we who are older, listen, I'll say it one more time and you're going to hear tonight. We are older of God to step up and play and be the mentors and the examples for our younger families that they may be strong in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Now, the story tonight is a psalm, obviously, because it's Psalm 90. And again, like I mentioned, it's written by Moses. In fact, the, um, the superscript, if you will, of the psalm, if you've got in your Bible, probably says something like this. A prayer of Moses, the man of God. Now, we're not sure exactly when this was written, but we believe he probably wrote it during the time of the 40-year wandering. Okay, that's probably the context, the setting of the psalm. And then it was included in the the, uh, hymn book for the Jewish people in the book of Psalms, what we call the book of Psalms, um, for later edification and building. But here's what I want you to grab. You know, life is fleeting. The, the, the theme again tonight is just how quick. I, here's, here's how my life goes. Tomorrow morning, now not tomorrow morning, I'm going to be in a Bible conference this week. And, but normally, I'll come in the office and the first thing I do is start looking for next Sunday. So I live, my Sunday's over, I start preparing, you know, I look at my schedule and God still says it's okay. We start preparing the message for the next Sunday. Then on Tuesday, we finish up that part and we move into Wednesday night. Then, after we do that, then we, about every first of the month, I'm on the Baptist hour. Now, so I live my life the first of the month to the first of the month, Sunday to Sunday, and Sunday to Wednesday. If you want to have a fast lifestyle, that's it. In fact, if you listen to the Baptist Hour, does anyone listen to the Baptist Hour? God bless you. I saw that hand. God bless you. I saw that hand. Jesus saw that hand. Amen. God bless you. 
Well, here's the deal. I have a tagline that I start, and I mean it with all my heart. I say, I can't believe it's the first of the month again already. And I'm telling you guys, time just flies by. And I said this morning when I leaned over to Judy and said at the park, you know, when Paul went on the park board, I was 10 years old. Where has the time gone? My daughter is 33, 34 years old. I don't know. Somewhere up around. I know she's going to be 56 in about a month. I know that now. I've got that down. Um, but, you know, time just goes by so quickly. And so what, what Moses is writing about is exactly that, how quickly time goes by. And then the, the tagline of the whole scripture is verse number 12 when we get down there. So keep it in context. Most likely written during the 40-year wanderings. And let me just clarify that. What happened was God brought the children of Israel to the edge of the promised land. They sent the spies in. Two came back and saying, yeah, they're big, but we can do it. The other ten said, we're like grasshoppers. They're going to squash us. And so the people said, no, we don't believe you, God. We don't trust you. And God said, okay, that's fine. Anybody 20 years old and older, you're not going to enter into the promised land. So he spent 40 years wandering the desert waiting for people to die. And that's the context of Psalm 90. So he starts out with verse number 1 and verse number 2. Talking about the eternity of God. Talking about how, how powerful God is. Here's what he says. Lord, you have been our refuge. You have been two words. Two right things after taking notes. One is, God, you've been our dwelling place. And that's particularly significant because they went wandering for 40 years. They didn't have a home. They, they didn't say, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida. I'm from Muddy, Illinois. Um, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. For 40 years, they wandered around in the wilderness. So, consequently, the dwelling place they had to claim was God. But also this. Life in the wilderness is dangerous. Life in the wilderness is difficult. So, he was also their place of safety. So, when he says, you have been our refuge, he's, Moses is saying, you've been our safety place when we need it. And you've been our home. You've been our dwelling place for these years as we have wandered around. He goes on and says this to every generation. He says, we have seen times come and go. We've seen generations come and go. And listen now, listen, listen. You need this today. The one constant in our life, God, has been you. We need a constant in our life today. Life is so uncertain. Things that were wrong um, in societal eyes, something that was wrong five years ago is now suddenly right. Things that were right are now wrong. And, and culture is changing rapidly before I. We need a constant. And our constant is God. Don't lose track of that. The, the constant is not your political party, heaven forbid. The, the, the constant we need is not the government. The constant we need is not the first to check the first of the month. The constant is God. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, the Bible says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is not going to change on you. He's not going to change his mind about you, and nor is he going to change. So Moses begins in a period of flux, in a period of, of change. He says, hey God, you, you know, generation to generation, you're the one constant in our life. You're our dwelling place. You're our place of safety. And then he says this. I love this. The verbiage is incredible. Before the mountains was, was, were born. So he goes back and says, God, now, now before there were mountains, before there was a world, before there was an earth. He says, before you gave birth to the earth, acknowledging that God is the creator of the world. God, before there were mountains, before you gave birth to the earth, the world 
From eternity to eternity, you are God. Isn't that powerful? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Hey, God, God, before there are mountains, whether it was 6,000 years or 275 million years, as Miss Oprah Winfrey believes, okay, when we crawled out of the ocean as fish and become mammals, haha, okay, so before that, God, before all of that, from eternity to eternity, you are God. Again, a guy asked me a question. He's coming back to God. He's been sitting in our church now for about eight months. He's coming back to God. He, when I first met him, he said, I'm only here to bring my grandson. And slowly now he sits on the tutage of great Elam in his Sunday school class. He's staying for worship now. It's incredible his God journey as God draws him into relationship. They said, so, so what was the beginning of God? And I said, God doesn't have a beginning. Nor does God have an end. He has from ever past to ever future. God always has been. Amen? Now, now there's a great scripture in Hebrews chapter 7. Uh, let me read it to you. It's verses 1 through 3. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham and blessed him as returned from defeating the kings, and Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem. Salem, meaning king of peace. Without father, without mother, or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, remains a priest forever. This is one of those times we see the imagery, the strong imagery of Jesus Christ incarnate, the Son of God. There are several times in the Old Testament where theologians agree that, that Jesus appeared on this earth, a physical. Uh, one time when, when Joshua was outside Jericho and, and the captain of the guard appeared, most, most theologians believe that was Jesus Christ appearing in that form, God, Jesus Christ incarnate. And I love the imagery here. Without mother, without father, without genealogy, having nor beginning of days, nor end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest. His name means the King of Righteousness. Is that not Jesus Christ? The King of Peace. Is that not Jesus Christ? So, so when you think about God, think no end, no beginning. Amen? That's what that most did. Now here's what he does. He contrasts that with us. It really puts us in your place. Because don't we think we're something? Come on. Be honest. We're something. We think, we think we're something. In the scope of eternity and God in this world... We're all pretty small. I mean, come on now. We are. We're pretty small. We think we're big. You know, we, you know, pastor, worship leader, you know, mayor of Harrisburg, president of this thing or president of that thing. But the bottom line, in the scope of eternity, we're pretty small. Here's what Moses said. In verse 3. You return. Now, you return. I can pause there. Who is that? Is that why I capitalized? Yes. So who's you? God. God, you return mankind to dust. So, God, you are, you are sovereign. God, you are the one who returns us to dust. You call the shots. You are the one who numbers our days. You are the one who tells us when we're going to live and tells us when we're going to die. It is you, God. It is you. It's not me. It's not, by the way, it's not cancer. It's not Satan. It's you, God. You are the one who returns us to dust. God, you are sovereign. And he returns to dust. Now, you remember what he's referencing. God was made man out of dust and breathed in him the breath of life. Now, what a stark contrast. God, who has no beginning and no end, 
calls the shots on our birth and our death. We have a beginning. And we have physically on this earth an end. And all is God, not us. He goes on and says this. Saying, return descendants of Adam. For in your sight, in other words, God, from your perspective. Now Moses is saying, now here's my perspective. But God, from your perspective, a thousand years are like yesterday that passes by. Now, now get this. Get this. What Moses is saying from God's perspective, take a thousand years of human history. Go back to um, uh, 1014. That's a thousand years. That's a millennia. Go back there. And from God's perspective, that was a day. A day. God is not bound by this time. See, people are saying, where's the promise of his coming? In God's perspective, it's only been a couple of days. In fact, don't take any of this home with you and say, my pastor said and teaches theology. Have you ever thought about something? Jesus was in the tomb for part of one day, a whole day, and part of another. Time-wise, we're entering the part of that third millennia. Jesus is coming back. He's, these could well be the latter days. In 2 Peter, in chapter 3, verse 8, Peter writes, Dear friends, don't let this one thing escape you. With the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. And then he goes on and says this. He says, you think that's something? God, that thousand years is like a day. A recorded history of a thousand years is like a day. He says, like a few hours of the night. You know what he's referencing? The night watch. Three or four hours. God, a thousand years to you is like three or four hours. Do you see the great perspective of God? Do you see the vastness? Come on, y'all got to get it. Do you see the vastness of God? Do you see it? Now listen. If you want to just pause for a minute. You know, Dave, that incredible God that, that says three or four hours, that's what it's like a thousand years to me. The one gave us that amazing grace we just sang about. That's that God. You ever want to know why grace is so amazing? It's amazing because of what it does for us and how it extends to us. But the author of that grace is simply incredible. Amen. It's just simply incredible. So he says, in perspective, you know, I, live, I live a few years, and we'll talk about that in a minute. We live a few years and we're gone. But God, you've got no beginning. And you have no end. From your perspective, we think a thousand years is a long time. It's just a, a day to you or even maybe just a few hours. Then look at verse 5. How interesting. You end their lives, they sleep. I was watching, and you know, we taught this on a Wednesday night. We threw out a devotional from um, uh, the guy in California. I can't remember. going to pull his name out real quick. And, and you know... And I said that that night, that he said in his devotion, and I agreed, that God's the one who calls our death. And then someone said, well, well what about, you know, stupidity? And yeah, I guess that, I, you have to throw that in there. If you decide to, to take your life or something like that, you, you can, I guess, short those days, cut those days short. But the bottom line is, it is God who knows the day of our death. And I was watching, right before I came, well, not right before I came, this afternoon, I was watching the Weather Channel. And this guy lived in... A trailer in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where the tornado came, and he said, "You know, they didn't hear the siren coming." And the his stepdaughter and niece came in and said, 
there's a tornado coming, there's a tornado coming. And they ran back to the bathroom. The mom got in the tub, and the one girl laid next to the tub, and he sat in the living room. And here's what he said, not saying I agree with him, but at least he had some perspective of what the Bible teaches. He said, I just figured this. I figured if God said this is your day, that I'm going to die. If it's not my day, I'm not going to die. Now, again, that's a little bit lucid. That's a little bit not smart. But he at least understood something, that God calls the shots. You need to understand something. Satan doesn't call the shots in your life. Neither does chance. Neither does circumstance. God calls the shots. So you end their lives, God. You're the one who dictates. They sleep. Now, Now here, watch this. They are like, we, they, are like grass that grows in the morning. And the morning it sprouts and grows. And by evening, it withers and dries up. How short life is. Now here's what the commentary said about that. It said in certain areas of the Middle East, there's a heavy enough dew where, where there was a heavy dew, little sprigs of grass will sprout. And while the dew is there, the grass grows. But as the sun rises just a few hours, the grass withers away and it dies. That's how, in perspective of eternity, that's just how short our life is. Now, now let me tell you this. I might be the only one, but I bet I'm not. Have y'all ever, you, us older people, have you ever heard the saying, how quickly, when older you get, how fast time flies? You remember when you were a kid, you know, and, and it took forever for Christmas to come. It just took forever. And now, gosh, it just flies by. Well, check this out. And now, in 13 days, it will be June 1st. And that means this. Five months of this brand new year, we just celebrated and said, Happy New Year. Five months, almost half of this year is gone. Time flies by. And it kind of reminds me of what, totally out of context, but what Jesus said to Judas that night. Whatsoever thou doest, do it quickly. And he's talking about betrayal. But guys, I want to tell you your pastor. No matter if you find yourself in your 80s or your 70s or 60s or 50s or 40s, it just doesn't matter. Whatever you're going to do, do quickly. Because time is fleeting. You've got a little tiny opportunity. You've got a little bitty space of time. You've got limited resources. And you've got to determine what are you going to do with that. If you think this is all there is, you'll probably spend every dime and every minute investing in the toys and pleasures of this life. I've earned it. I deserve it. I'm going to have a great time until the last breath comes. If you understand eternity, if you truly understand God's grace, if you truly understand what God has done for you, you'll understand that this is not all there is. In fact, death is but an end to a new beginning. And not there's not 70 years. There's not 80 years. There's not 90 years. And neither there's not even 10,000 years. There's zillions and zillions and bazillions of years to worship God. And praise his name. That's a wonderful song. In 10,000 years, we'll just get started. That, that's, just a, that's just like a few hours in God's time. 10,000 years, we'll just get started. So what are you going to do with the time you got? You got a limited amount of time. You got limited resources. What are you going to do with that? Are you going to live like that's all there is? Or are you going to invest in the kingdom? Are you going to invest in eternity? And what better way to help your family? What better way to help your children and grandchildren than to pour eternity into their lives? Um, Isaiah 40, verses 6 says this. 
Is it that late? Oh, no, it's not. Okay. A voice was saying, cry out. Another said, what should I cry out? All humanity is grass. All its goodness is like the flower of the field. The flower withers, the flowers fade when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Indeed, the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God remains forever. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 through 8. So there's a scope, there's a dimension, there's a perspective where things last forever. And I see some young people here tonight. Gosh, I wish I could, I know it doesn't make any sense right now to you, but I wish I could pour into you the importance of investing in eternity. Because that is the life that is truly life. That is the life that matters. And the good news is, you know, whether you are 85 or 86, and you see like, well, maybe the end is coming soon. You've got the two years, the three years left to really pour into the kingdom. You know, when Peter wrote these words, with the Lord, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like a day. Do you see the contrast there? He said, a thousand years, a millennia, is like a day. But a day is like a thousand years. And if you truly believe that, then one day lived for God can have the impact of a thousand years. So it's not too late. If you've got two days left, you've got the impact of two thousand years to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that good? Life is fast. Let's not waste it. Let's not waste it. Now... Again, the, the context is hugely important in verses 7 and 9. Remember, they're in the wilderness. Because if not, you'll get it out of perspective. They're in the wilderness, and they're there as punishment. They didn't believe God, so God sent them wandering in the, in the desert for 40 years. For we are consumed, we being the children of Israel, in the, in the writing of this, for we are consumed by your anger. We are terrified by your wrath. Every Israelite understood the reason we're wandering around is we didn't believe God. So we're terrified by his wrath and by his judgment because they're experiencing it in their lives. Now, is that what God intended? No. No. You know, let me replay it for you just a little bit. You know, don't eat of the tree. Okay, got that. Eve, don't eat of the tree. I think I got that. Serpent comes. Eve says yes. Adam says yes. And, and they go and hide. And, and God, knowing where they were, but helping them know where they were, comes in the cool evening. Adam, where are you? We're in the bushes. Why are you in the bushes? Because we were naked. We were ashamed. And we were afraid. Why? Who told you to be ashamed? Have you eaten of the tree? The fear of God came, and that, I'm not talking about reverence fear, I'm talking about that, that ah fear, came from sin. Let me tell you something. There's one thing in life that you, and in terms you want to be very sure of, and that's your salvation. You do not want to experience the wrath of God. You do not want to be one of the lost standing at the white throne judgment. Jesus experienced the wrath of God, at least I believe he did, on the cross. And he did it so we wouldn't have to, those who trust him. There is a side of God you do not want to experience. And God doesn't want you to experience. And that's why he gave you grace. But be careful you're trusting in grace and the atonement of, Je- of your sin for Jesus Christ and not in your performance-based works. Because that will leave you short every single time. So we are consumed by your anger. We are terrified by your wrath. 
You have set our unjust just ways before us, before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. In other words, Moses says, our shortcomings are all laid out. Now, y'all can hide some things. There's some people sitting in this room. Now, you're hiding something from your wife. You're hiding something from your husband. If you're a child, you're probably hiding something from your parents. I got news for you. You can't hide from God. He knows. He says, the secret, I like this verbiage, our secret sins in the light of your presence. It kind of reminds me of Isaiah chapter 6. You know, where, where Isaiah, the prophet, steps into the holiness of God. He's there. And when he gets into the presence of God, the preacher, the preacher cries out and says, Woe is me! I am undone! It's amazing what getting into the holiness of God and the presence of God does for identifying sin in your life. If you have a quiet time, challenge God. God, let me come to your holiness so I may see the shortcomings of my life. You might be amazed what comes to light in the presence. So he says, in the light of this presence, even our secret sins will be made known. For all our days ebb away under your wrath. Now again, keep it in context. What? The wilderness wanderings. Don't lose that context. For all our days ebb away under your wrath. We end our years like a sigh. You understand what life was like for the wilderness wanderers? You got up. You put on your suit. You went to the funeral home. And you attended the funeral. That's what you did. The wilderness wandering was not about life. It was about death. Punishment. And they ended the years with, I guess we're done. I guess we're done. I guess we're done. So, so then Moses says this. Our lives last 70 years, or if we were strong, 80 years. And I kind of wondered something. I told Judy, I wonder if this really was when lives picked up a more modern length. You know, I wonder if that's kind of maybe the beginning of that shorter lifespan. Because you got to understand, a lot of people had to die in 40 years. If you're like 21 years old and you were a soldier, you died. So it, you had to die about, at least when you're 61 years old, you had to die. I mean, so you wonder if that may have been, you can research it out and figure it out and see if that's maybe a possibility. I don't know. But Moses said, in his context, you know, if you live 70 years, that's pretty good. And, and if we're really strong, we just might live 80 years. Now watch. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Now, what's the context? Wilderness wanderings. Under, I hope if you've experienced God's grace, I hope not all your years are struggle and sorrow. If you are, you're probably in bondage to rules and regulation of the law. Okay? But in the wilderness setting, it was hard. Whenever we choose the wilderness over fellowship with Christ, life gets hard. Whenever we choose our way over his way, life becomes hard. When we allow sin to enter into our relationships, into our life, it gets complicated and hard very fast. All of a sudden there's two Christmases, there's two Thanksgivings or more, there's two, there's two of this and two of that, and half time here and half time. Life gets really complicated when we don't obey God's rules. Am I right? Now again, it's an amazing thing. When you follow God in obedience and out of love to Him, it's amazing how simplistic life really becomes. God knew best. He gave us this incredible word. It's a guidebook for life. Follow it. Follow it. Now, I know I'm preaching, easy preaching, hard living. I know, I know, I struggle. I confess to the Sunday school class that you guys all get a new preacher because this one's doing perfect. You know, it should have been there. 
Bottom line is, though, life is so much more pleasant and full when we follow God's rules they gave us for living. For living. So them and 12 are, is, the, is the caveat. It's just, it's just the best part. Who understands the power of your anger? Now, gosh, i got to be careful here. I don't want you obeying God out of fear. I really don't. I hate that. But truthfully, do we get this? Do we really, who really understands the, the power of God? I mean, I'm, I'm, starting, I'm really starting to think. Let me give you something to chew on this week. You know, I understand that the penalty of my sin has been forgiven. Amen? Once you trust God through, through grace, the penalty of sin is removed. I will never go to hell. But I do believe something. I'm going to be held accountable at the judgment seat of Christ. There's an accountability for my life. And I think that's scriptural. I don't think you can argue that point. You really can't. So if I understand that I'm going to stand before the righteous King Jesus, he says, Dwayne, let's talk about your life. Let's talk about how you played life. If I truly understood that, I'd probably act a little bit more holy. I'd probably probably be just a little bit more forgiven. I'd probably love just a little bit more than I do. I'd be more careful with my tongue, which seems to be hooked at both ends sometimes. I would just be more careful. If I truly understood that, I don't think we do. I don't think we do. We don't understand the power of judgment. And again, there will be a judgment seat of Christ for us, not for the penalty of our sin, but give an account for our works of our lives and how we live that out. Your wrath matches the fear, the reverence do you. He says there's an equality there. The wrath and the reverence do you, they match. They balance that. Verse 12. So, teach us, Moses says, to number our days carefully. And that's the take home tonight. What I want you to take home tonight from this day, if you're a senior adult, if you're in your 40s, your 50s, your 30s, your teens, teach us to number our days. Teach us to carefully weigh and scrutinize our days, how we live our lives. That we might develop heart of wisdom or wisdom in our hearts. Teach us to weigh our days. Teach you to value our days. You know, Paul wrote later on, redeeming the time, Ephesians, redeeming the time because the days are what? Evil. Evil. So I'm telling you guys, let me look in the eyes so you don't think I'm afraid to look at you. Every one of us, every one of us that are believers in Jesus Christ need to carefully number our days. We need to be careful how we plan and make sure God is included in those plans. Make sure that eternity is in view of our planning and how we live our lives. You just can't underestimate that. I am so afraid that so many of us are going to have a lot of wasted years to tell Jesus about when we get to heaven. I, I looked these words up. I knew it was a, an old gospel song, and it's called Wasted Years. I think Jimmy Swagger, I don't know if he wrote it, but I know he sang it. And, and again, some of, you know, it's pretty theological. As you wandered along life's pathway, have you lived without love, a life of fear? Have you searched for life's great hidden meaning, or is your life filled with long, wasted years? Search for wisdom and seek understanding. There is someone who knows and always hears. Give it up. 
Give it up. You see? Let it go. Let it go. <laughs> Thought you might appreciate that. The load you're bearing. Give it up. Give it up. The load you're bearing. You can't go on in a life of wasted years. And the Course goes, wasted years, wasted years. Oh, how foolish. As you walk on in darkness and fear, turn around, turn around. God is calling you. And I believe this tonight, guys, after this day. He's calling us from a life of wasted years. I don't know what you won't said at your funeral. I had the privilege of presiding over a lot of services. And some are just awesome celebrations and sometimes it's very, very difficult because of the person's life. But some time ago, and it stuck with me, and I don't know if G's written it down, but I would hope I would earn something. And I hope you would earn this. And here's what came to my mind one day, and it's been probably eight years ago now, five years ago. May the last thing said about me be about him. May the last thing said about me be about him. God, help me number my days. God, help me to weigh each day. God, let me live with eternity in view. Let's pray. You know, if I, if I had the ability right now to beg you, if I had the ability to encourage you, to um, persuade you, I would jump, I would say, please, please, hear the word of God today. In this room tonight, not this morning's 300 and something, but in this room tonight is enough to change, well, like the shoebox, in fact, seven people. In this room is enough people to impact all of Harrisburg and beyond. There are grandkids to be impacted. There are children to be impacted. There are lost neighbors to be impacted. There are guests in our church to be impacted. There's grocery clerks, bank tellers, school teachers to be impacted. And there's enough folks in this room who, if we would pray tonight, Lord, teach us to number our days carefully that we might gain a heart of wisdom. That would be my prayer tonight as pastor for me and for you, that we would live with eternity in view. Now, this is our time of decision. The altar is open for prayer. If um, some of you would, and we talked a little bit about salvation tonight. If some of you have not trusted Christ as Savior, man, I wouldn't wait another minute. I would come today and say, Dwayne, I, I don't have this one down, and I don't want to face the wrath of God. I believe Jesus took that wrath, so I don't have to, but I need to make it personal tonight. You may need to do that. Perhaps you've, you've been saved, but you've never been baptized, and tonight you want to follow in that step of obedience. Perhaps God spoke to you about uh, making this a place where you can serve, uh, a church home where you can serve uh, the kingdom, and you'd like to join our church family. Maybe you want somebody to come pray with you. We've got some folks who will come and pray with you. Whatever it is, whatever it is, this is our time for decision. So God, thank you very, very much. Thank you very much for speaking tonight. God, let it soak, permeate, marinate our hearts with this great truth. May we leave here tonight completely and totally different from what we were. Teach us to number our days carefully so we may gain a heart 
of wisdom. Amen. Amen. Let's stand our